Good morning, church. Who wants to hear the Word of God? We'll keep doing that. I like it. Um, if y'all can turn your Bibles to John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. While you're turning there, I want to explain why we're skipping the first 11 verses in John chapter 8. If you'll notice, we're skipping a very well-known passage, the woman caught in adultery. I love that story. I think it's a gripping story. I think it has a wonderful message about God's grace. I think it is one that we could all profit from. I just don't think it's inspired by the Word of God. I don't think it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. If And the reason is, the earliest manuscripts, none of them have this passage. And the reason I want to explain this is, here at this church, we don't preach things because they feel good or we like them. We preach them because they're in God's Word. And the first 11 verses, if you want to know, Codex, you know, Codex Sinaiticus, Codex Vaticanus, Papyri 75, all the, the earliest and most reliable manuscripts, none of them have the story of the woman caught in adultery. And I know a lot of you hate that. Because <laughs> we love that story. I'm just not convinced it's in the Bible. And because of that, I'm not going to be preaching it this morning. Before we begin, there's a theory out there that if you were to somehow stick a person on an island with no human contact, without any other sinner, without any corruption, without any media, without any negative influence, that that person would somehow be able to live a life without sin. That theory is dangerous for two primary reasons. One, it places the blame for your sin on someone other than yourself. As if somehow, like a child who learned how to cuss, you picked it up from somebody else. Second reason is it completely ignores something that Scripture makes very clear, and it's this. No one had to teach you how to sin. You sin naturally, you sin willingly. You're, you sin because you're sinful. It came from here, not out there. In our divided country, and we live in a very divided country. We live in a great country, but we live in a divided one. That's important to remember because American culture will tell you that things are screwed up today because it's someone else's fault. But the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. This morning we're going to talk about light and we're going to talk about darkness. And I want us to keep in mind as we read this. The world is telling you that the light is in here and the darkness is out there. The gospel says the darkness is in here and the light is out there and His name is Jesus. I'm going to repeat that. The world is telling you that the light is in here and the darkness is out there. The gospel says the darkness is in here and you got to go and get the light out there in His name of Jesus. 
Jesus says that He is the light of the world. That's our text this morning. And I want to basically, before we begin, I'm going to extract three truths from our text this morning. One, the light of the world is the light of the Father. I don't know if I've got them up or not. Here we go. Number two, the light of the world is the same light that created the world. Number three, the light of the world is the light that exposes our sin. Okay? So if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we read from John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. And the Holy Spirit says, And again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So they said to Him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but He who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from Him. They did not understand that He had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for all, I always do these things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask for the light of the world to open our eyes because we know that it's only through the illuminating grace of Christ that we can understand one idea, one truth. This, this book is incomprehensible unless we have the light of the world, Father. Show us what it means this morning when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Father, we want this light. Show us this morning how to get it. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. Bottle up. How many people get really cold when you're in a movie theater? Raise your hand. How many people bring a jacket to the movie theater when you go see a movie? Even when it's in the summer? Sarah Parker's went up immediately. <laughs> How many of you have ever walked out of a cold, dark theater in the summer and then walked outside being cold and then just 
walked into the sun and just like instantly got warm. Anybody? That's like one of my most favorite feelings in the world because I get cold. I got cold last night, matter of fact. That is just a fraction of the light, the warmth, and the goodness that we'll experience when Jesus returns. It will be as if we had been living in a cave when He calls us into the light. Jesus says that He is the light of the world, but He also says that we can actually have the light of life today. Let's start with verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if we follow Jesus, we'll have Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you will have Jesus. Jesus says, you will possess Me. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says you're the light of the world? Well, what He means is the only way that you and I can become lights of the world is by having the light of the world, and that's Christ. Christians are not lights of the world simply by owning a Bible, not drinking, and going to church. Christians are lights of the world by following the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So the light is the prize. The light is the treasure. Cultural Christianity is telling us that we need to walk in the light so that we can win the prize. Jesus says, I am the prize. The light is the prize. The light isn't something we just do for God in order to get God. The light is God. The light isn't an obligation we fulfill in order to find life. The light is life. Christianity isn't just about walking in the light, it's having the light. Think about this. This might be radical for y'all to hear. Salvation is not the ultimate goal of the Christian life. Some of y'all wait for me to finish. Jesus is the ultimate goal of the Christian life. The gospel offers us salvation in Jesus in order that we might have Jesus. Jesus is the point. We're saved in order to have Jesus. I've met many people who can tell you that they're saved, but they can't talk for two minutes about Jesus because they don't know two minutes worth of things about Jesus. Which tells me that they wanted the light without wanting Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the light. Number one, the light of the world is the light of the Father. Just listen for a second. After verse 12, just listen how many times Jesus mentions the Father in this passage. Verse 16. It is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Verse 18. The Father who sent me bears witness about me. Verse 19. You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. Verse 26. He who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from Him. Verse 28. I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Verse 29. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I do all things that are pleasing to Him. Jesus is eaten up with the Father. Jesus has more to say about the Father than He does about Himself. And for that reason, He is the light of the world. In one passage, He tells them He judges with the Father, the Father bears witness about Him, He knows the Father, the Father is true, He declares what the Father has told Him, He does everything on the authority of the Father, He speaks just as the Father taught Him, He always pleases the Father. The guy can't stop talking about the Father. The light of the world is the light of the Father. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. This is how Jonathan Edwards described the relationship between the Father and the Son. 
God the Father is an infinite fountain of light. But Jesus Christ is the communication of this light. Some compare God the Father to the Son and Jesus Christ to the light that streams forth from Him by which the world is enlightened. God the Father in Himself was never seen. It is God the Son that has been called the light that hath revealed Him. God is an infinitely bright and glorious being, but Jesus Christ is the bright of His glory by which He is revealed to us. No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, has declared Him. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what He's saying is, I am the light of the Father. It is never the Father's will for us to approach Him at any time that is not through the Son. So if you're in a conversation with another Christian, let's say, or a non-Christian, and you talk about, hey, uh, why do you like that church? Well, you know, we just, I just love worshiping Jesus. I've heard people go, well, you know what I mean, like worshiping God. You don't even have to say that. Worshiping Jesus is worshiping God. Do you understand that? There is no need to clarify when we talk about worshiping Jesus Christ, there's no need to clarify that we're talking about God. I mean, whether an unbeliever it is, but the point is this. You remember when we had the eclipse? Did anybody, ever, did anybody buy the glasses where you could actually see the eclipse? Somebody bought them for me. And I went up on the little uh, parking deck. And it was pretty amazing. And that's essentially what God the Father is declaring to us in the Bible. If you want to see God the Father, you've got to see Him through the light of the sun. We are not able to see the glory of the Father unless we have the light of the sun. Number two, the light of the world is the same light that created the world. Jesus says that this light is the light of of life. In the Greek, that could literally be translated life-giving light. All life comes from this light. John chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I actually was thinking a lot this week on that phrase. The, the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. That means wherever the light of God shines, darkness will not prevail. The power of addiction cannot prevail over the light of life. The power of adultery cannot prevail over the light of life. The power of someone's past cannot prevail over the light of life. Not even death can prevail over the light. When the light shines in the darkness, the light is undefeated over darkness. The darkness has no power to overcome light in the very beginning, and it has no power today to overcome the light of Jesus. Think about this. Jesus isn't a decision you make. Jesus is light that floods your soul. If Jesus was just a decision you'd make, you could change your mind. But what Scripture says is when the light comes into someone's life, the darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness has never once run off the Holy Spirit out of someone's heart because the Holy Spirit could just not take the darkness anymore. The darkness has never once triumphed over good. That means the foulest, meanest, most hateful person you know, all it takes is a small flame 
small spark, a small seed of faith, and the darkness will not overcome it. The Christian life is the story of light overcoming darkness in the human heart. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is not the presence of darkness. The difference is that one is overcoming darkness and one is walking in darkness. There's a myth out there that Christians... Like I used to get really mad when I used to work at uh, Ragu. Because people would... We well, always laugh at Ragu. I don't know why. <laughs> Better not have any prego in here, I'll tell you that. Um, and people would pick on Christians because when Christians would have a moment of weakness or sin, they'd be like, oh, you can't do that. You're a Christian. Now, one, that's pretty good because they're keeping them accountable. But there was this myth that Christians can't have any sin in their life. But that's not what Jesus says. Christians are those who have found the light and they're waging war on the darkness in their own heart. So if you know someone who claims to follow Jesus and they sin against you, that's not any evidence that they're not a Christian. If that person comes back and apologizes and confesses their sin, you've got a pretty good sign they're following Jesus because that is the light of light overcoming darkness in their heart. If you have consistent, unrepentant sin in your life that multiple people, the closest people in your life are pointing to, and yet you are not overcoming that sin. It has, it has plagued you. You're not even trying. There may be reason to believe that you don't even have a lot of life. Which leads us to number three. The light of the world is the same light that exposes our sin. Verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He you will die in your sins. The difference between someone who has the light of life and someone who's walking in darkness is they both see Jesus, but only one of them sees the darkness of their own sin and their need for Jesus. And the reason is very simple. Unbelievers are blind to the light. In my experience, sinners who walk in darkness have convinced themselves that they can see. Most people in the Bible Belt, I believe, think they're following Jesus. And that's because many people are walking in darkness, but they believe that they're walking in the light. The problem isn't just that they're blind, it's that they don't know that they're blind. Here's the, here's the power of spiritual darkness. A physically blind person knows they can't see. A spiritually blind person thinks that they can. And because they're blind, they don't see how everything is wrong in their lives. The Jews think Jesus is telling them that they don't know God. Jesus is saying they don't understand the law. Jesus is saying that they're not obeying God. And they think that they are because they're blind. As pastor, one of the things that really makes me shudder is when I'm talking to somebody about their conversion, about their, their testimony, about their life. And I hear these words. You know, I've, I've never been a real horrible person. I, I mean, I've never really been a bad person. How many people have ever heard someone say that? Please don't let me hear you say that. Because what it tells me is that you have no idea why Jesus came and you're still blind. Jesus isn't the light of the few, Jesus is the light of the world. 
That means the whole world needs His light. And when you can't confess your utterly wretched, darkened, idolatrous heart to Him and your need for Him, what you're saying is, I don't need your light. There is a species of animal, several animals, that live only in caves and they're completely blind. I was watching this. How many people watch Planet Earth? Alright, I know I had some out there. Fish, insects, moles, lizards, snakes, bats, they live in utter, complete darkness. They can't see where they're going and they don't use their eyes. They are literally compelled by antenna and their own visceral urge to eat. That's how they live. And that is essentially what it's like to live on this earth apart from the grace of God. Blind, searching, completely encased in darkness. And if you're still living like you've never really been a bad person, you are still eating scraps from the cave floor instead of coming out to the light. President Trump this week recently appointed Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. I think it's a good pick. I think Ken Wynn probably thinks it's a good pick. Kavanaugh seems to be a good pick. I'm not going to get into this, but you know, he reads the Constitution as the framers would intended it, which is, I believe, the way you should interpret the Constitution. But I'm a little concerned, though, for the amount of hope that many Americans are placing in one man to restore the direction of our country. I think American Christians, conservative Christians, should read John 8 because if adding one Supreme Court justice to the bench gives you more hope for our future as a country, what Jesus is saying is you're finding your hope in the wrong place. It's not the law that gives the light of life. It's me. There's only one person who judges with right judgment, and it's me. Verse 16, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father. Verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. A new Gallup poll was conducted this month. And get this, I just couldn't believe it. I had to read it a couple times to make sure I was right it found that 43% of Americans believe that pornography is morally acceptable. That's up 7% from last year. That's astounding. Is it astounding to you? It's astounding to me. Not just doing it. Think it's acceptable. And it got me thinking... Americans are willing to shine a big public spotlight on other people's sin. And yet in private, we're blind to the darkness in our own hearts and unwilling to judge ourselves. That's darkness. Thinking we see clearly when we don't. Apart from the light of the world, we are blind. Apart from the light of the world, we are experts at other people's sin and blind to our own. We're like crawling insects on the cave floor in complete darkness, wallowing in filth, not knowing the light of the glory of God. And then the light of the world comes into our cave and He takes our darkness and our sin and takes it upon Himself and dies in our place so that we can have the light of life. 
The gospel is how God opens our eyes. The light of the world tasted death for us so that we run to Him. Just read verse 28. So Jesus said to them, When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. The cross is where the light of the world shines brightest. We see our sin. We see our guilt. We see His love. We see His faithfulness to the Father. We see His life. The light of the world let the darkness consume Him for your sake, but the darkness could not overcome Him. The light of life, the light that created the world, the light that conquered the grave, He wants to give to you. The problem is, will you confess your dark heart to Him? I was at a, a youth camp a couple weeks ago and I preached on lust. That's just when I talk to kids. That one's usually one that pings. And this kid waited for me for like two hours until I got out. I was talking to the parents. This was a kid whose dad was like on staff at the church. And, I mean, just tears in his eyes. And I started talking to him, and my initial thought was, oh, this kid's, this kid's addicted to pornography. But it wasn't. It was the lust he had in his own heart that was breaking him inside. You see, when I look at that, I go, man, that's so adorable. Because I know the evil out there. But in his mind, he saw that his darkened heart was fleshly and in need of light. I think we grow up as adults and we see sin that's worse than ours and suddenly we don't think we're dark anymore. And that is why we need every single day to look to the cross and go, oh wait, that's how evil sin is. That's what sin does. It kills. Living in the light is living at the foot of Calvary. Because it is only by the light of the cross that we see that sin brings death and it brought death to our Savior and it's only through His death that we can have true light. And so this morning I just wanted to... I was going to make an invitation to unbelievers, but I actually want to make an invitation to believers. I think the idea is that when we come and we give our lives to Jesus that we don't have any darkness anymore and we stop confessing our sin. That's not what we see in Scripture. You don't stop waging war on darkness because you give your life to Jesus. That's when the war starts. And some of us in here have stopped overcoming darkness with light. Will we walk by the Spirit of God, overcoming the darkness in our hearts and our lives, or will we continue to walk in darkness? Christian sanctification is the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ penetrating into your soul and overwhelming your heart. That's the gospel. For many of us, we have stopped looking to the cross and we're just living. what Jesus says here is you haven't found life until you seek the light. 
Will we confess our darkened hearts to Him like a kid at camp who's not even really doing anything wrong, but he knows there's idolatry in his heart and he can't live another second until he puts it at the foot of Jesus? That's what we need to do every day. This is life-giving life. And I just felt today, instead of making an altar call for people to come down, please come down. If you've never given your life to the Lord, give it now. Invite, confess your darkness, come to Him. But if you've known Jesus your entire life, and you think that the light just comes because you woke up that day, you've got it wrong. Are you overcoming darkness with light? Or are you just walking in darkness? Let's pray. Father, you've said that your Holy Spirit has come to convict us of sin. And like my brother Lee said this morning, the glory of your Son Jesus is only half the story. The full story is what he did to defeat death and sin. Father, show us the darkness in the corners of our hearts so that we can flee to Calvary. So that the old self can die in Christ so that we may be raised in newness of life. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen.